Yeah, I know. I know. The TV ratings for the British Open are huge. Yeah, I know. Tiger's back. Whoopity-doo. Now, I could go into a lengthy discourse about how, in the long run, it's not healthy for golf that so many people watch for Tiger and for no other reason, and about how golf can't really create new stars because of that, and about how the winner got overshadowed, Francisco Molinari, and about how more people are writing and talking about Tiger finishing sixth than they are about Molinari finishing first. What I would rather say is this. Tiger didn't win. Tiger didn't win. Na-na-na-na-na-na. Tiger didn't win. And nobody was scared of the red shirt come Sunday. And close doesn't count. That's what I'd rather say along with repeating. Tiger didn't win. Tiger didn't win. Na-na-na-na-na-na. And you can make all the excuses you want. Oh, if it wasn't for the double bogey on 11 and the bogey on 12, blah, blah, blah. Tough toenails, Tiger fans. Tough tookus. Ain't no mulligans at the open. And Tiger is playing better. I give him that. And he is pain-free, apparently. Not sure what the update is regarding the sex addiction, but uh, maybe he's back in the saddle. And maybe that's a good thing. But you know why Tiger isn't winning? Because he's not good enough. Whether it's by two strokes or by 20, not good enough is not good enough. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Tiger didn't win. And hey, Tiger, guess what? You just made the list. And it's not the list of British Open champions. Well, except for those three times. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. We love Matt Mertz. Uh, I do want to talk about Tiger because he didn't win. He didn't win. And it is maddening that more people are talking about him finishing sixth than about Francesco Molinari finishing first. And that's just not right. Oh, it's the way it is. You can't dictate what people should care about. But that sucks. Imagine you're, well, you know, he's not American, so maybe he lives in a different world, a world where he's a bigger deal than Tiger, which actually might be the case in Italy especially today, the day after he won the Open. But how'd you like to finish ahead of Tiger and nobody talks about it? How'd you like to win a tournament that Tiger's in and nobody talks about it? Golf is Tiger. Tiger is golf. It's just one constant Tiger update. That said, I watched yesterday, mainly because I was stuck at an airport in Houston. My flight was delayed. And I was drinking and eating those great nachos we talked about. Does anybody else make nachos that way? I think that's the way nachos were originally made, and then people got lazy. You take flat tortilla chips, not you know as flat as possible, and you lay them on a tray, 
and you cover them individually with cheese and beef and whatever you want on your nachos, not the cold stuff, not jalapenos, not lettuce, not sour cream, not guac, but the stuff that melts basically. And you put, you load up each chip, then you put it in an oven and bake it. Those taste so much better than just a big handful of chips, a big ladle full of beef or cheese or whatever. I mean, that's good. I get it. But it's the lazy man's nachos. Making nachos one at a time. Gringo, that is the way to do it. I'm telling you right here on the Mark Madden Show. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We, we, I just watched the video again of that kid who missed the ball and the adult behind him grabbed it, which until we knew the facts. I mean, the venom against that guy was Trumpian. I don't say that lightly. It was Trumpian. It was treasonous, and it was Trumpian. But the kid played the role perfectly, however intentionally or more likely not. He looked just so disappointed. He didn't, like, flip the guy off. The parents didn't get mad. He just stood there with those big doe eyes. How come I don't have that ball? Meanwhile, he already had a ball. One ball's enough. But that's what they said about Rico Fata. What the hell? Let's go to Virgil in the Hill District. Virgil. You're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, so not that a, you know, a, a lot of people care, the anti-Tiger people. The Open is his best chance in the next four or five years to win for the sheer fact that and yesterday, I think, and this week was an aberration because it was so dry because his accuracy was really good. Some of these courses in America for the U.S. Open, for the PGA Championship, he'll be okay at Augusta. There's so much about distance. Yeah, that's the, yeah. That's the one thing. He you're right, you're right. The, the courses in... In the UK, are more about accuracy. Yeah, and, and I think Augusta's probably a, a happy medium of both, don't you? Yes, totally. And the biggest thing is, okay, he putted better, but that driver with all the injuries he's had, he can't keep it on the planet like the other, like the younger guys can, the better guys. That's going to be, I think, his biggest detriment. I think if he can get one across the pond or at a tight course, even a place like Oakmont, a place like Mary. Well, I think Tiger even said, Virgil, that his best chance to win one would be at a British Open. Yeah. And that's but, the consensus. And, I would say British Open, most likely, Masters, second most likely, and the other two, honestly, given the way they trick up the courses, I don't think he has a shot at either. No, and last... And the funny part is, the ironic thing, Virgil, is there was a time when tricking up the course gave him the big advantage, but not anymore. Yeah, no, because everybody's long. And the last thing I'll have to say, Mark, is he can bang putts. His putting has been so bad since he's come back. Over there, he can bang putts and leave him the tap-in range where it's not going to hurt him. Here in America, he cannot do that, and I think that and the driver are going to be his biggest downfalls. Good good stuff, Virgil. Thank you for the call. By the way, i got to get this in there. Uh, ESPN breaking news, although I don't necessarily see this as news. You know how somebody painted a big LeBron James uh, mural in L.A. and it got vandalized? Well, now there was a second one and it's also been vandalized. I'm not sure they want him like he thinks they should. Although, given how rotten that team's going to be, and I think he knew that too. I think he thought they might get Kawhi, and they might yet at some point next year. 
Maybe this is the no pressure year for LeBron when nobody thinks he should win. And when he doesn't, they're not surprised. But uh, I think LeBron went to L.A. to start his acting career, to go Hollywood. And if the Lakers could put together a decent team in that time, that's a bonus. But I think he went there mostly for the Hollywood part of it. That team they've assembled, they have like every uncoachable player on the planet on one team. Except for Kawhi, and he'll get there sooner or later. Actually, Kawhi's very coachable. He just fell out with the Spurs and with Popovich. But uh, I read a great uh, description of the Lakers. They're the basketball equivalent of the Expendables, the movie. Like kind of a, And the Expendables, correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't see any of the Expendables movies. Wait, I saw the one with, with, with uh, Stone Cold in it. Was he in one or, or, or more than one? But, uh, but I, I saw that one. But isn't that kind of like an updated Dirty Dozen? I haven't seen the Dirty Dozen in so long, but the Expendables is kind of an updated Dirty Dozen, keeping with the theme in Hollywood that original ideas are absolutely prohibited. Let's go to Derek and Aspinwall. Derek, you're on with Double M. So the Molinari win is really incredible for me because he's paired with Tiger yesterday, and 100% of those fans are there to watch Tiger. So every time Tiger hits the shot and he's on the move, those titanic crowds are moving with Tiger. And Molinari's got to focus with all those people walking around and talking about Tiger, and he got the job done. And it is disappointing that not enough people are talking about his win and Tiger finishing sixth and speed collapsing, which is turning into a pattern. I don't know that speed collapsed. I think speed got discouraged at the end that he couldn't win. And had a couple bad holes, but I still think he's i think he's the best golfer. He definitely has the grit. I mean, he's still only 25, I think. So I think he's only 24. Time, but but, uh, but let, let, me ask, let me ask you this, though. You mentioned, and accurately so, Derek, that, that Molinari wasn't phased by being in the same group as Tiger, right? Correct. I don't think anybody was phased by that. I, I think he's been so bad or at least so mediocre for so long that the red shirt on Sunday doesn't scare anybody. It's not necessarily the Tiger effect. I just think it's the amount of people that are following him that those players are not accustomed to having around. So that's just my appreciation. Oh, no, 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 you're right. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Not that the Tiger effect has worn off, but for some of these golfers, it's never existed. For sure. No doubt about it. Thanks to call, Derek. Good stuff. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Why did they have to uncover the facts that that guy who stole the ball was actually a nice guy? I heard, like, uh, some shows this morning, nationally and locally, that was the entire show, and it was so good and it was so easy. Now there's no way to make the guy into a bad guy. I'm not sure. I mean, like, when I was a kid, I went to ball games. But again, the camera wasn't everywhere. Social media wasn't everywhere. The ball went in the stands. Whoever got the ball got the ball. I'll never forget when I was 10 years old. And I loved the Pirates when I was a kid. I did. I loved them more than anything. My favorite team. And they just ruined it. They just ruined it here in Pittsburgh. I I went to 42 games in 19. Was it 41 or 42? I got the ticket stubs at my mother's old house. 41 or 42 games in 1971 when they won the World Series. And I remember that this, this, this wasn't funny then. Bob Robertson did a home run where we were sitting in center field. And I swear to God, my mother, who was 35 at the time, 
She caught it on the fly. And we got Bob Robertson to autograph it afterwards. And I said, I said, Bob, my mother caught that ball. And he said, no bleep. Like, you know, not me, but like, we didn't swear in my house. I like almost never heard that word before. But anyway, my mom caught the ball, right? And she came down with the ball. She held onto the ball. Like people are grabbing at it like you do. And that's fair. It's free game. But she held onto the ball. Which she didn't hold on to, and we didn't ascertain it for a couple minutes till it was too late, was her watch. Somebody took her watch in the scramble. But that's okay. It was a cheap watch and would rather have the home run ball by the Maryland strongman, Big Red, Big Bobby Robbie. 1059 the X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of Jorel. Kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um always great to hear from the lady callers. The X at 105.9. I get insulted on Twitter all the time. And by the way, this week, I forget if it's 14 or 15 weeks since I engaged somebody on Twitter that I don't know, that I don't follow. And I got to tell you, my life, my psyche, my outlook is so much better because of that. And I'm not kidding or exaggerating. That's one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I, I think it's permanent. You never say never, but I would like for it to be permanent. But I got berated by one Yahoo because I'm a Ted Nugent fan. What, I, I can't listen to Cat Scratch Fever because of his politics? That's ridiculous. Music's music. It's free of politics. The politics in Ted's case don't seep into the lyrics. I do think he preaches a bit much in that regard in concert, but this last time in Greensburg it was kept to a minimum, so... And I've met Ted, I've interviewed Ted, and I like Ted a great deal. So I'm I'm definitely a Ted Nugent fan. His politics aside, not that I disagree with the basis of them, but he's a bit extreme, as is just about everybody in America in this day and age. I also, this is a good one. Somebody tweeted at me, and I hope he's listening, tweeted about how fat and obese and sweaty and I should be ashamed, all that stuff. I look closely at his avatar. His girlfriend looks like me. She, like, has nine chins, this big fat face, and his butt ugly. I mean, this guy's climbing into bed with that, and he's telling me how terrible I look. Yikes. And, dude, if you're listening, I don't apologize. Your girlfriend's a pig. In every way you can be a pig. Unless she has a great personality, but I bet she's a pig in that regard, too. That girl is a P-I-G pig. 412-333-9939. You know, we barely talked about the the James Harrison thing with Tomlin and Belichick. And that happened last week, but I was off Thursday and Friday, so we're kind of catching up. But tell me what Harrison said that was wrong. And hey, I don't like James Harrison. But every single thing he said was right. Belichick's a better coach. Tomlin lacks discipline. Tomlin plays favorites. And I keep seeing and hearing people putting forth that, well, who's Harrison to talk? He fell asleep in meetings. He left the stadium before games if he was inactive. Well, yeah. So who's more qualified to say Tomlin lacked discipline than the guy who most took advantage of that lack of discipline? 
Harrison says Tomlin played favorites. Yeah, he took selfies with Harrison. Here's Debo. Debo's back. Yay for Debo. We run the final word last night on Channel 11, which is always delightful. And uh, the question was put forth, who's the second best coach in Steelers history? Well, number one is Chuck Noll, and nobody's ever going to catch him. After that, every single coach in Steelers history has either underachieved or sucked out loud. Tomlin and Cower, given their resources, both underachieved. Bill Austin, for example, sucked out loud. So I think Cower did mostly a good job. I think Tomlin has done mostly a good job, but they've underachieved. And if it hadn't been for Ben Roethlisberger, neither one would have a ring. If you talk about the most important figures in Steeler history, Ben Roethlisberger ranks way above either Tomlin or Cower. And I mean way above. He has enabled each of them to dodge the bullet of being career laughingstocks. 412-333-9939. Of course, we're talking about the Pirates and their hot run, 11 out of 12, 9 straight. They're at Cleveland tonight. I will watch the game. Maybe I'll go to Patron's Mexican Grill and get some nachos made one at a time. That would be a good marketing tool, wouldn't it? Nachos made one at a time. Or hashtag one nacho at a time. Because they are good. But the the funniest thing, because let's face it, we all like to laugh. I look for the humor in anything. Is that Huntington said if they win, we'll do right by them at the deadline, never dreaming they would win. Never dreaming they would call his bluff. Because it will turn out to be a bluff. I feel very confident in saying that. And I don't think that Huntington will be openly rooting against the Pirates in this three-game series at Cleveland. The operative word there being openly. Deep in his heart, he'll definitely be rooting against them. And uh, imagine, let's say they win two of three at Cleveland. Then come home and sweep the Mets. Four games. At that point, then, they will have won 17 out of 19. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because that's not what the Pirates do. They'll probably lose two out of three at Cleveland and split with the Mets or do worse. I always loved that, though. I heard somebody on the B team saying, well, he's trying to be realistic. He says, well, they might lose two out of three at Cleveland, but the Mets are really bad. They'll probably sweep the Mets. Yeah, they'll probably sweep the Mets. Probably. Probably. Is that the word you want to use, probably? How about could? How about maybe? Like, they probably won't sweep anybody the rest of the season. Probably. Let's go to Bob on Route 70. Bob, you're on with Double M. How are you, buddy? Terrific. Hey, wonderful. You know, the U.S. Open, or the British Open, we have all the the deals with Tiger followers and what have you. And, yes, I followed him way back when. Most amazing round in my, my deal was Bernard Longer. The man is like 60 years old. He finishes six or seven shots back, and that is just phenomenal. Wasn't he a war I criminal? Mean, uh, I don't think so. I think he, well, maybe he was in Argentina for a while, but I'm not. <laughs> well, you, you, know, you know what? He uses that putter that's in the middle of his chest, right? Well, they can't grind they, it. That, right, they can't, they, can't, they can't anchor it anymore, correct? Correct. But he still uses the tall yeah. putter, right? Yes, he does. 
Do you think he uses that because he's real old and he needs to lean on it between shots? Eh, you know, hey, you know, maybe between sips of scotch, maybe. Actually, you know, by all know. accounts, he's in great shape. So you're, you're right. Hats off to Bernard Longer. Uh, what about the guy who allegedly played the fourth round hungover? You know, that's that's pretty amazing also. Uh, you know, just to have to walk around, you know, 18 holes and uh, whack a golf ball. But then again, maybe at that frame of mind, you're really not really uh, giving a rat time. Well, well he, said, he said he wasn't that hungover. But, but uh, every time I've said I wasn't that hungover, I was really, really hungover. Eddie Pepperell is his name. Okay. You know what would have been great yeah, if he but- sinks a putt and just throws up? Oh, hey, you know, I, I've seen things like that happen on a golf course before. but uh, <laughs> Not at Carnoustie you have it. Or Carnoustie, whatever it's called. Okay, we got Ed on hold. We'll get to Ed in a minute. One half hour to go. It's the Mark Madden Show. Oh, wait, here's the odds for the Pete. We'll get to those in a minute. The odds for the PGA Championship. Tiger is not the favorite. How can this be? 105.90X. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listened. The X at 105.9. The final con from the British Open is the ratings were up 38%. And it was the best ratings the tournament's had since 2000. And, of course, that's definitely due to Tiger having a Decent tournament, but uh, again, I don't know if golf being so dependent on Tiger is good or bad. Obviously, this is good in the short run, and maybe you tune in for Tiger and you tune back in wanting to watch, well, not the old guy who won, the Italian guy, Molinari. He's the oldest guy to win a major in in quite some time. He's late 30s, as I recall, but... uh, but they did good ratings, and that is what it's all about. But uh, how do you build on that? I'm not sure golf quite has the answer to that yet beyond Tiger. Uh, another media note, the New York Daily News laid off most of its sports staff uh, going from 34 to 9. That sounds like a Jets loss, 34 to 9. But, uh, you know, people are outraged about that on social media. Because writers and TV and radio types always feel sorry for other writers and TV and radio types when they lose their jobs. Me, not so much. I don't care. Uh, nobody rallied around me when I got fired by the worldwide leader back in uh, 2008. So I kind of made a mental note that I wouldn't feel bad when anybody else in my profession got fired. Unless, of course, I knew them. But then again, those who knew me weren't all that. Anyway, getting past that. I just don't think it's this high crime when a sports columnist gets fired from a newspaper. And I'm not going to make a big deal out of it when we didn't make a big enough deal when the country deindustrialized and all the steel mills closed and mining shrunk and those people lost their jobs. You know, unskilled labor, well, however skilled you want to, you know, describe the jobs I just mentioned, everybody has a right to work. And I think whenever the media goes nuts over the media losing jobs, that's a little disingenuous when I'm not sure they did enough or spoke out enough back in the era of deindustrialization. Which, uh, well, employment's pretty good right now, but uh, it took a long time for this country to navigate 
all that. I should have taken the calls. We had four calls lined up. They all hung up because in deindustrialization is a very difficult topic to broach on a sports talk show. Uh, so get your calls in now, 412-333-WXDX. Uh, here is the here are the odds for the PGA championship. The favorites are Spieth, McElroy, and Dustin Johnson at 12 to 1. Up next at 16 to 1 are Woods, Ricky Fowler, and Justin Thomas. I don't know why, but this feels like a Spieth win. I think he's the best golfer. I think he's the best golfer. I think tournaments are his to win or lose. Not like they were with Tiger, not that dominant, but uh, he's the best around right now. Dustin Johnson, too. And you know who might be the best shot maker? Is Rory McIlroy. He just inconsistent is all. People on Twitter right now, what do you know about golf? Enough to get paid a lot of money to talk about on this radio station, however, occasionally. Let's go to Ed on the Parkway East. Ed, you're on with Mark. Mark, this is Ed Braun. How are you? Ed, how are you? Great. Hey, uh, isn't it amazing that we have an owner who buys a team, hires a front office, and secretly hopes that they lose? I mean, totally opposite of what the players want. Why? Well, I, I think I think I think that the owner and general manager are hoping they lose right now. I've always said that when the Pirates win, it's a happy coincidence for ownership and management because it is not the primary goal of ownership and management. But uh, but I, I think that, I think they'd prefer to win. They're just not going to do everything required to give themselves the best chance. But I agree with you right now, Ed. Right now, they want to lose. Right now, they want to go to Cleveland and get swept so they don't look too bad when they do what they were always going to do at next week's trade deadline. We lost Ed. There's a joke concerning Ed Braun from back in the 1250 days that that guy occasionally calls up, and I forget what the joke is because... I'm old. Okay, we got somebody on hold. I can't see his name, though. Let's just take the guy on hold. Guy on hold. You're on the Mark Madden Show. Or you're not. Are we having the dreaded technical difficulties? Oh, well. 412-333-9939. Okay, do we have the guy now? Hello? We don't. Well, now it's time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. Don't forget, on tomorrow's show, my guest at 3.30 from Germany's Brescia Dortmund club team and the U.S. national team. He is 19 years old. He's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. He is the best soccer player in America. He is Christian Pulisic. Uh, Christian will join us at 3.30. We had his mom and dad on uh, recently to talk about uh, this phenom. I mean, have you seen him play? He's unbelievable. You know what America should like about him? I wrote this in my trib column. Christian Pulisic gets fouled like crazy, especially when he's playing for the U.S. because he's their biggest threat. Guys just get stuck in and they foul him like crazy. He doesn't dive. He doesn't roll. He doesn't whine. He just gets up and plays. So if you're anti-soccer because of that, you should love this kid. You can check him out uh, Wednesday, when uh, Borussia plays Benfica in the International Champions Cup at Heinz Field. Pulisic scored a hat-trick last night against Liverpool. 
in the International Champions Cup. It's only a friendly, okay, so I can live with that. But, buddy, if you're listening, in a real game, don't. I'm telling you, just don't. The only time I want him to score in a Liverpool game is when he's wearing red, which hopefully is not out of the question at some point later in his career. Let's go to Sean and Beaver County. Sean, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Double M. I was calling about those uh, nachos you were talking about being made one by one. Right, a nacho at a time, correct. Yeah, there's uh, a place that I've been to. It's called Azteca and Robinson. They yeah, we're not going to do a plug Azteca. fest, but thank you for the call. I will talk about the concept of one nacho at a time, but, you know, not not the big plug ski. We, we get, I get, I do that too much sometimes. But, uh, you got to be careful that you put, you can't put the lettuce, the jalapenos, anything cold has to be separate. These nachos at the Houston airport, it was a big plate, a circle of nachos around the middle of jalapenos, lettuce, sour cream, and guac. Guacamole is one of those things I've become a late convert to. It's pretty good. Is that good for you? It's avocado, right? Got to be better for you than most of the crap I eat. Uh, I'm a late convert to a lot of things. Guess what I never ate till I was in my late teens? Potato chips. I never ate potato chips till I was in my late teens. I don't know why. I just know I didn't. Anyway, now it's time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX and ask Mark anything. 105.9X. For McDonald's. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I'm one of a kind on the radio. Thank you for being the best damn radio host in Pittsburgh. It's a family affair. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. It's time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX. Boy, this is a long segment for Ask Mark Anything. I should have babbled more in the previous segment and let myself off relatively easy. I do think it's precious to think the Pirates are going to add anything significant at the trade deadline. And I hear talk about Archer or DeGrom or Cole Hamels. Why would they go get those guys when they had Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton, and Jay Happ and let them all go not too long ago? I guess Jay Happ's available. That'd be great. They bring back Jay Happ past the point where they should have kept him where he would have done some good. If the Pirates would have just kept, as I keep saying, they lost eight significant components of their 98-win team in 2015 before the 2016 trade deadline had come and gone. They would have kept like four of those guys. I think they would have been back in the playoffs in 2016 and maybe even 17. And they would have had to spend more than they liked, but I guarantee you they would still be in the bottom half of MLB payrolls. Let's go to Joe in Glenshaw. Joe, ask Mark anything. Wondering if you knew why uh, Nutting won't sell the team to Mark Cuban. Well, Nutting, the- Nutting doesn't want to sell the team, but Cuban doesn't want to buy the team. Sure he does. He comes once a year for lunch every year on the same day. Oh, he has lunch in Pittsburgh, so he wants to buy the Pirates. I can't yeah. believe I didn't put two and two together. Well, he do tell, do tell buy, me more. He wants to buy the Pirates. Yep, I had lunch at McDonald's today. Does that mean I want to buy McDonald's? Uh, no. Bro, you're wrong. He doesn't want to buy the Pirates. Mark Cuban is a bit of a fraud, okay? When Mark Cuban wanted to buy the Penguins and go into partnership with Mario, 
Here's what he wanted. He wanted Mary to put all his money into it, but for Mark Cuban to have control. And anyone around at that time knows that's true. Mark Cuban wants to be remembered in Pittsburgh, so he BSs about stuff like buying the Pirates. But he don't want to buy the Pirates. And at any rate, they're not for sale. Buy now. I hate it when people say, why won't they sell to Mark Cuban? Because he doesn't want to buy it. Uh, Ask Mark Anything brought to you by Chipino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood at Chop House. Be sure to check out Chipino located in the Strip. Let's go to Steve in Greensburg. Steve, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Uh, I just wondered if you uh, went to the Greta Van Fleet show last Yes, week. I did. I spoke about it earlier. Did you go? Yeah, I was there. What you think? I was really actually impressed. I was I was surprised. I didn't know if they would be able to pull it off live. And uh, that guitar player is incredible, man. I, I agree. As much as I love Josh Kiska's vocals, and I like his look. He looks like, I don't know what he looks like. He was like, kind of like a <laughs> caftan. Yeah. And, and he's got that frizzy hair, and I think he had feathered earrings or in his hair, something like that. Right. And his voice just kills. But I thought yeah. Jay Kiska was the was the best part of the show. I thought his guitar playing was just incredible. Although there was not a weak link in the band, there wasn't. No. Everybody was solid. At, 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 at worst, solid, and probably a lot better than that. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Berger in Monrovia, who also wants to talk about Greta Van Fleet. Berger, ask Mark anything. Matt, uh, Double M, huge fan, buddy. What up? Uh, so Greta Van Fleet, and I've heard you say this in the past that they've been compared to Zeppelin, and they don't like that. Why? You know, you've talked. Oh, I don't know that they don't like that. Okay. I I, 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 heard I, you I, I would imagine they don't, they don't be... like it when they're called a rip off of Led Zeppelin, but I think what they do is very organic. I think they're playing music the completely. way they want to play it. I go. I agree completely. I just I had heard in the past, and you know uh, that that they had been compared to. Maybe I'd misheard a little bit, but that they didn't necessarily want to be compared to Zeppelin. They wanted to be their own band, which I think they are. I think they're amazing. You well, know, we I'm had right Jake on, on the one. show a couple weeks back, and we replayed that interview last Wednesday, and I asked him about Robert Plant saying they were good, and he thought that was great. I mean, I, I you know, they do sound a bit like Zeppelin. Zeppelin sounded a bit Wait, like Colin There's Wolf. nothing wrong with that. I wish they all sounded like Zeppelin. Let's go to uh, Megan in Highland Park. Megan, you're on with Mark. Ask Mark anything. Hello. She wants to talk about diving. I guess she tripped over the phone cord. Let's go to Chuck and Butler. Chuck, ask Mark anything. Hey, hey Mark. Uh, will Saturday's Michigan Stadium game be a sellout? And you have a prediction on a score. Uh, at the big house. I will be there, you know. Yes. Liverpool, Manchester United, uh, I think it's already close to a sellout. I mean, those are the two most popular soccer teams in America, Liverpool and Man United. Don't, don't you agree? Absolutely. You know, there are probably a couple that are close, but they're, they're number one and two with United, admittedly, probably number one. Bro, I don't care about the score so much. I mean, in fact, I, I really don't like those games because they're not competitive fixtures. And the big-time players don't play, although a few guys got a game last night for Liverpool, like Virgil van Dijk, he scored the goal. But I just like the atmosphere. I like you know, seeing other Liverpool fans. I'm going to like seeing the big house full for soccer. There's just going to be so much to like about it. But uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather see Liverpool win, but if they don't, that's okay. I put it this way. I'd much rather see them beat United 
in a couple months or whenever that game is than see them win a game that doesn't count on Saturday. Let's go to Rick in Brighton Heights. Rick, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, I, I wanted to see, where, where do you go, I don't know if you like them or not, for like a hot turkey or a hot meatloaf sandwich? Well, now, does it have to be a sandwich? Because I'll tell you where to get the best meatloaf. Oh, okay, go ahead. Pipe, Piper's Pop. Oh, really? Go get their meatloaf. It, 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 it's the best meatloaf. Fries, fries, or do you get mashed potatoes? Mashed potatoes. With turkey gravy or meat gravy? Meat gravy. Okay, thanks. Now, now the hot turkey thing, you know, when I was a kid, I always used to go to King's to get that kind of stuff, right? Like the yeah, King's, the Denny's. I, I still think that's a pretty reliable type of place. A diner. Whether it's chain or, or, yeah, go to a diner to get stuff like that. But the best meatloaf is at Piper's Pub. And you know what's not bad either? The meatloaf at uh, the wheelhouse in the casino, in the Rivers Casino. And I got to tell you, the meatloaf and hot turkey at Boston Market is very, very good. Let's go to Bob in the car. Bob, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Hey, I was just wondering what you thought the long-term, like if you wanted to predict what the long-term future of the Pirates are, like next 10 years, 20 years, uh, do you think they're just going to keep losing forever, or do you think something's going to happen? How can I predict if a sports franchise will be winning or losing in 20 years? How could I possibly do that? Oh, I mean, just, you know, I mean, being an expert and stuff, I thought, like, just give your take if you think... Like, Peter Gammons couldn't tell you if the Pirates are going to win or lose in 20 years. Uh, Peter Gammons dipped in Buster Olney couldn't tell you. Uh, Now, I will say this. I think the Pirates' priorities, as long as they're owned by Bob Nutting, will never change. So as long as they're owned by him, you don't see them ever winning? That's not what I said. That's not what I said. They had three playoff seasons in a row under his ownership. But their priorities will not change. The same priorities that took a 98-win team, disassembled it for the sake of making more money, and shut the window, slammed the window shut on their fans' fingers. That... That won't change. That that thinking won't ever change. Let's go to uh, Mark in Illinois. Mark, ask Mark anything. What up, man? What up? Hey, you seem like you uh, like guitarists. Have you heard of uh, Rob Zombie's guitarist solo act, John Five and the Creatures? Uh, I, I, uh, John Five's a great guitarist. Uh, who else did he play with? Did he play with Marilyn Manson at one point? Yeah. He did play with Marilyn Manson, and he also collaborated with David Lee Roth at one point. I think he's a brilliant guitar player. The bands he's has mostly been in are not really my cup of tea. I mean, I'm not I'm not anti. Aren't Zombie and Manson here, like, in the next couple of days? Yeah, Wednesday. You guys been advertising. Yeah, I'm going to the soccer game. And, and I really think that they both do good music. It's not quite my cup of tea. But if they're on the air, I don't turn it off. I just, I'm just not going to go to a concert when there's a soccer game to be seen. Understandable. John, John Five's uh, brilliant. John, I think you could put John Five in any context with any group with any singer, and he would fit in. He's that good of a player. Most definitely, it's most diverse guitarist I've ever heard of myself. Well, let's not go overboard, Eddie Van Halen, but but uh, but you know he's real good, and I like his look too. I I think he's a great rock package. Let's go to Jeff and Mars. Jeff, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Uh, I was wondering if you think that uh, Christopher Walken has ever been accused of talking like you. Why do you say what? that? Well, I just think the way you pause between your phrases sounds very similar to his communication. I've never considered that. I'm not imitating him, I can tell you that. 
Oh, I love to imitate him. He's perhaps, perhaps he's, but I'm not. Perhaps he's imitating me. Uh, that's that was my suggestion originally. Well, if, if he ever gets a talk show, call up and, and, and ask him. All right. I'll I think go. Christopher Walken's excellent. By the way, I just awesome. I, I just watched I just watched Wedding Crashers again uh, this weekend during a break in the action at Houston. And by the way, that's kind of sad that I would watch like a rerun when I'm on vacation. But I got to tell you. Houston was so oppressively hot that you do stuff and you go back to the room and just have to sit there for a while to recover. And the, the, the real, the best performance in Wedding Crashers is Christopher Walken. Is is the uh, what is he a senator, the Secretary of State, something like that? He's just brilliant. Let's go to Nuns in Green Tree. Nuns, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Um, a week or two ago, you were covering. Uh, and going over the baseball all-star game, and I agreed with you wholeheartedly when you said that every time we looked at the TV, there was a home run, and your words exactly were taken the toughest thing to do in baseball and made it easier. However, when it comes to the NHL, and we're watching fans games, or any game in the playoffs for that matter, all we want to see is more and more goals in the NHL. Well, bro, a there's, a, there's a big difference. In baseball, if there were a bunch of singles and doubles and triples and outfielders were chasing the ball and runners were moving around the base paths in risk of being retired, I would want more runs. But this home run derby, it's like slow pitch softball. I don't want to see that. I agree. I agree. Now, here the NHL gets rid of the red line essentially several years ago. Yeah. And then they go in overtime, they reduce the number of men on the ice from you know, five on five, four yeah, on three. Yeah, I follow three, the game. Three. What's your point? Okay. Well, I wonder why we want more goals than the NHL is giving them to and us. I just, I just explained to you what the difference is, but thank you for calling and not paying attention even a little bit to what I said, or you wouldn't have repeated yourself at the end of the conversation. If I were close to the wall right now, I'd be banging my head against it. Christian Pulisic, tomorrow, 3.30. He's America's best soccer player. Right here on 105.9.